G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 with Neil Johnson on Vision. You might remember a very challenging conversation some weeks ago where the leadership records of the Prime Minister Scott Morrison came under intense scrutiny here on 2020 by the author of a new book called Deconstructing ScoMo. Well, the shoe is on the other foot today. And we're giving attention to a similar deconstruction of the leader of the opposition, Anthony Albanese. We're not being partisan. In fact, an honest deconstruction should happen to both sides. Now, you might argue that rarely has a critique been so scathing as it was in deconstructing Scott Morrison. What we heard about the Prime Minister was a legal, ethical and biblically Christian critique, no holds barred. And if you heard that conversation and wondered if Christians were right to hold such opinions, get ready for the next round. You might ask, can it get any worse for the opposition leader? Well, that is yet to be seen. The critique is coming from one of Australia's foremost legal thinkers who is well able to include a biblical Christian critique that also has an eye on history. Now, if you thought that prayerful our leaders was not that important, you might like to think again as we talk about the leaders of our nation. Augusto Zimmerman is Professor and Head of Law at Sheridan Institute of Higher Education in Perth. He's also Adjunct Professor of Law at the University of Notre Dame, Australia, Sydney campus. He's the Founder and President of the Western Australian Legal Theory Association and a former Law Reform Commissioner in WA. Augusto Zimmerman, a special welcome back to 2020. Thank you so much, Neil. It's a pleasure to talk with you. Augusto, let me just first, firstly start with asking you about the response to your book so far. It's Deconstructing ScoMo. Uh, it is a very, very insightful uh, way of, of talking about the personality and the character of the Prime Minister. What sort of response have you been getting from your new book? Well, the, the response has been uh, obviously quite positive because... Uh, I have just tried to be honest uh, together with my colleague um, Rocco Loyokani in our assessment of uh, what is um, really uh, taking place and the fact that unfortunately uh, the Liberal Party has moved uh, uh, too much uh, uh, to the left of the political spectrum. But I must say that everyone who reads uh, the book will be uh, not uh, assuming that um, I have sympathies for the Labour Party because uh, my my critique of Scott Morrison is that he and his colleagues have turned the Liberal Party into a sort of Labour-like party that's not attaining the best interests of the people of this country. The Australian Australian Labour Party has been the party, not of the working class, for a long period of time. 
It is now the party for group interests uh, pushing for radical agendas such as abortion on demand, assisted suicide, the LGBTQI, etc. agenda, radical environmentalists, and so forth. So forth. So the point is that uh, the Liberal Party should not be uh, taking the same approach to these issues, but should offer a more conservative Christian alternative, and that's not unfortunately necessarily happening now. What you appear to be saying, Augusto, is that while in Australia we used to have conservatives, say, on the right, and we used to have uh, progressives on the left, uh, somehow or other the conservatives appear to have lost their way and losing their way under ScoMo. Uh, That's the challenging thing for some people. Is that a fair way of describing that? Yeah, it is a fair way to describe it. It seems that uh, the Liberal Party um, and its leaders uh, uh, realized that um, we have nowhere to go of thought so, that uh, we had no other option uh, when it comes to uh, casting our votes. And they didn't really try to uh, push for a, a more a godly conservative agenda, even an agenda based on the values of the founder of the party, namely Robert Menzies, who was a very committed Presbyterian and also a classical liberal and supporter of a small government and protection of individual rights and liberties. Because the party has uh, failed so much in these uh, areas, um, I had no other option but about two years ago, in the beginning of the pandemic, to offer my letter of resignation in disgust for what I was seeing uh, about the course that was being taken by the Liberal Party on these uh, issues, including supporting the undermining of bodily autonomy, the right to privacy, and even destroying uh, livelihoods in this country as a result of uh, vaccine mandates and other measures that were indirectly uh, supported and endorsed by the federal government. Well, listeners will be impressed to know that as you write a critique of the Prime Minister, you've done so because, uh, as you say, you in fact resigned your membership of the Liberal Party and uh, that's in some ways... Uh, left you to be a critique, uh, a, cr- a critic of uh, of every side, and you've decided to actually make your Christian biblical foundation the foundation from which you launch a critique. So let's get a little bit of a focus on Albo here, and some will be thinking: Is this going to be equally balanced? Because uh, Albo is on the side that you're saying perhaps he's worse than Scomo. Uh, give us your insights here, a general insight over your impression of Albo? Yes, uh, unfortunately it seems that um, as a result of um, the compromising of conservative and liberal, classical liberal values uh, coming from uh, the right uh, wing side of the political spectrum, which is now moving so much further to the left that I now believe both parties are left wing, the Labour Party and Greens have capitalised on this uh, fact to further push the country towards the road of a very radical agenda. I can give an example, for instance, of the feminist agenda that um, tends to be supported by both the prime minister and the leader of the opposition. But uh, Albanese is very clear about um, enforcing this radical extreme agenda of demonizing men, claiming that only women, for instance, uh, would deserve protection from domestic violence. And uh, when I was a commissioner, I 
I interacted here as a law reform commissioner with many men who had not only been the victims of such violence themselves, but also falsely accused. So um, he talks about offering greater protection for women in the workplace, for instance. But it's amazing that nothing said about the protection of every work in Australia, because everyone should deserve such a protection regardless of gender. So let's not forget that Albanese likes very much to be seen around in the good company of very divisive characters such as Grace Payne, for instance, which in reality is Grace, has Grace only her name. It's a very radical person, actually, and very aggressive in her approaches. So uh, we have to be very careful to not uh, cast our votes in a party that's actually more extreme than the other, and perhaps try to find better alternatives now for this uh, upcoming election. And this is an issue, no doubt there'll be many listeners haven't heard a whole lot about. I mean, fancy introducing Augusto, the thought that there might even be an identity politics issue between men and women. And uh, both sides, the Liberals and the Labor Party, are supporting a feminist agenda that disadvantages men. I mean, uh, that's what you're saying has happened here, and both sides are supporting an agenda which doesn't get a lot of airplay when people are talking about this. Absolutely, and uh, that's what these parties do, and Albanese um, thrives in dividing people, because that's the common strategy of the extreme left, which he so much epitomizes. Uh, Talking about division, let's think about the referendum on the indigenous voice in, in, in the parliament that he's proposing. That is a very complicated issue, because it can potentially divide the country and add the elements to the Constitution, and the Constitution is not about uh, discussing matters of race, but the federal Constitution is a very simple document uh, explaining what the powers uh, should be exercised by, what kind of powers should be exercised by each uh, level of government, especially the federal parliament and the state parliaments. But um, Albanese likes to convey divisive messages because um, he says quite often that Australia is still a racist country and that um, as a result he apparently thinks that we are all uh, bigots. So he wants to do that because that's the way the left, uh, as I say, capitalizes and obtain more votes by creating these sort of um, uh, categories of people that can be uh, approached and can be co- can be ultimately even uh, seduced to vote for the uh, agendas of the Labour Party. Okay, so on issues of Indigenous voice in Australia, the way that the opposition leader appears uh, to be framing all Australians is as bigots who live in a racist country. So uh, some might want to disagree with that, and shortly we'll open talkback lines. You might have your own thoughts. But uh, but this divisiveness, uh, this is something that you've seen as a thread through his leadership. Yes, indeed, because think about the lack of compassion regarding the terrible, terribly oppressive management of the COVID crisis. He talks about being a representative of the working class, but he often uh, has a total disregard for those Australians, countless Australians, who lost their jobs and their lives uh, were totally destroyed as a result of the draconian management of the crisis. 
the crisis provoked not by necessarily the pandemic, but by the management of the pandemic by the ruling elite, by the ruling classes, which I believe uh, Albanese belongs to. So I must say to you and your listeners that the the Labour Party is, is the party of the Labour only in the name it's not the party that really supports uh, the working class. Uh, he takes the elitist position and is embracing the agenda of global oligarchs, the likes of George Soros and, and Klaus Schwab. He says nothing about the Australians who lost their jobs and were first forced uh, ultimately to take booster shots, that, uh, to take this uh, experiment that we don't know what the consequences will be in the long term. But he has been constantly encouraging people to get booster shots, saying that the more people are vaccinated, the better, which contradicts the best science available. And I think he and and his mates and the whole class, political class in Australia, should be ultimately responsible for the unintended consequences of uh, taking this approach. If something terribly happens in the future, we should hold them criminally accountable for what they have done. Life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 on Vision. 1-800-316-316. If you'd like to join in our conversation, uh, question, comment, critique, Augusta Zimmerman, Professor and Head of Law at Sheridan Institute of Higher Education in Perth, is our guest. Uh, he has uh, written a book called Deconstructing ScoMo. Some weeks back, we had a significant segment, uh, a shock to so many listeners, uh, the way we were talking about the Prime Minister, but a critical reflection on the Prime Minister's leadership from where? From a Christian biblical view and uh, an eye on history so far as uh, issues around freedoms. So 1-800-316-316, the shoe is on the other foot and... Albo is the focus today. In fact, uh, Augusto, let's take some calls before we move the conversation on. Dominic is in Mildura. And uh, Dominic, welcome along. Welcome, and thank you, Neil. Dominic, what are your thoughts? I've just got a problem here, you know, and I think it's not just myself, but do we know that uh, our our, um, government is not really our government? They're not our public servants they're, they're being controlled by another country <laughs> okay and, and that that to me so it doesn't matter whether it's liberal labor whatever it is whoever gets in and i hope to god i pray to god that we don't end up with uh with a trump election okay. like they did in the state Dominic, globalist forces Mm -hmm. that are Mm -hmm. ruling Australia, and let's get a thought or two. Augusto Zimmerman, uh, what Dominic is reflecting, uh, what what are your thoughts? Well, the problem in Australia is the lack of accountability and the fact that uh, those who manage to win the election, they can basically do whatever they want, including to strike some uh, very bad uh, dealings with um, the global oligarchs. But this is a result of a defective system whereby the winner takes all, especially if the um, government of the day manages to control the upper house. Then there is no accountability whatsoever. Even as as a result of the so-called doctrine of parliamentary sovereignty, where judges tend to avoid as much as they can 
to invalidate laws that so grossly violate fundamental rights and freedoms. I have started to write articles about that that are published in the Epoch Times to see what we can do to bring more accountability to the parliamentary system. One of the things that amazes me is that the head of state should exercise veto power, but that's not done in England since 1701 when Queen, Queen Anne decided to withhold from legislation. And, uh, and as a result of that, nothing has been done ever since in terms of, uh, of the royal veto. But uh, the appointment of uh, heads of state, as we know, they are not really made by the queen, but they are made by um, the premiers and prime minister. So the governor general is actually appointed by the prime minister. I find this highly problematic, and I think we should find a solution uh, whereby uh, the head of state can actually have more independence from the head of government. Okay, Dominic in Mildura, thank you so much for your call. Our talkback line is open on 1-800-316-316. Interestingly, election time is a time when we do get to hold governments to account and you'll have been following along all sorts of commentary, Augusto. Uh, your thoughts on uh, the, the the fact of the possibility of a hung parliament uh, and a whole lot of cross benches, either in the lower house yeah. or certainly in the upper house, uh, uh, is this a way mm-hmm. to to bring more accountability? Well, provided that these independents are truly independent, I attended one of the meetings here uh, involving candidates from Curtin, the seat of Curtin, and one of the candidates, so-called independent, was. Uh, a radical environmentalist who was pushing for uh, an agenda that was probably more radical than that one offered by the Greens. So you have to be very careful with what kind of independence you're talking about. But certainly, I believe, uh, strongly believe that the uh, leading mainstream parts deserve to be um, punishing by the people. And I hope that uh, by doing so, we replace bad politicians with, with much better ones. And I think that um, when it comes to the upper house, it's very important to have um, alternative parties holding the balance of power, because even if a, a character such as Albanese becomes uh, the prime minister, we might have checks and balances, and you might have a coalition of good people in, in the upper house blocking the passage of um, the destructive bills that the Liberal Party, sorry, the Labour Party normally presents in Parliament, introduces. Augusto, under an Albanese-led government, uh, what you're saying here is if there is a strong independent crossbench, uh, that would slow down uh, the implementation of a Labour agenda, which I think you're describing here as uh, destructive. Uh, thoughts yeah. here on, on how that might slow things down? Well, it, it's certainly very important because, as you know, a bill uh, introduced in any of the existing houses in Parliament uh, must be approved by both houses. And the government of the day, the leader of this government, inevitably or invariably comes from the lower house. So if you can have, um, as I mentioned, uh, good politicians uh, and people who are really uh, concerned about uh, about the protection of fundamental rights and freedoms in the upper house being elected wisely by the people, then we can really 
uh, block the passage of bills and make uh, the, some of these uh, deliberations and machinations against the best interests of the country really to ultimately fail. So this election, probably the most important election in the history of this country, and uh, without uh, proper accountability coming from, as I have referred to the upper house, there is no uh, alternative checks and balances in this country. One of the main problems that I have uh, perceived over the years as a constitutional law professor is that uh, we lack in proper rigid separation of powers so that uh, the winner basically, as I say, uh, becomes all-powerful and almighty unless the upper house can restrain the ambitions of these uh, political leaders. When the leader becomes all-powerful and almighty, and interestingly, uh, we might bring into a conversation here the thought that the debates between the leaders and the focus and the orchestration of the campaign is very much an American style, uh, presidential style of campaign. Uh, the focus on two people and not the parties and the actual, uh, you know, the front bench and the uh, members and candidates across the board. Uh, there is a move, mm. a Christian move to say vote for people, not parties. Uh, any thoughts here on the presidential style that is introduced? And that's why we're talking about these two men. Yeah, absolutely. And to make it even worse, this uh uh, candidates are not uh, chosen by a sort of uh, more democratic process because in America you have uh, the uh, supporters of the respective parties actually becoming a member of these parties and making um, their voices heard. But here, the leader of these parties is the, the head of the group, and it's not really coming even from a more democratically pro democratic process. So um, it, he is not really to be confused as a person who has a, a direct mandate to do certain things because he basically is the leader of the, the, the party holding the majority in parliament. And some of these um, good politicians who happen to remain still in the Liberal Party or Labour Party, which makes it even worse, obviously, they um, totally disempower in so many issues because of party line uh, direction. So even if they want to be pro-life and vote for the protection of human life, they might be blocked or prevented from uh, doing so as a result of the party instructing them to vote in a certain manner. Let's get our focus back onto Albo here. Uh, just a short while ago, uh, you said he has a lack of compassion. Uh, yeah. Demonstrated in his own leadership as the opposition leader in the COVID crisis with a disregard for the countless Australians who lost their jobs and yeah. uh, issues around the working class. Uh, the where was Albo had sort of gone missing and some of that because of the National Cabinet uh, but what do you think Albo ought to have been doing while the National Cabinet was basically ruling Australia? Well, he was probably quite happy with that because, uh, first of all, the National Cabinet uh, is devoid of constitutional legitimacy. It's not mentioned in nowhere to be found in the Constitution. So it is a, a, an absurd creature uh, created by the Prime Minister because he thought he could bring... Uh, um, a uh, uniting front on this issue. 
And of course, uh, Albanese is either too lazy to be involved in the process or alternatively, he was uh, diabolically waiting for the disastrous consequences of this cabinet, which ultimately disempowered the prime minister and the federal government by uh, basically rendering uh, the most important uh, actions uh, to be made in this regard uh, to the premiers and the state governments. But um, uh, Albanese is a very angry man, by the way. He often now talks to people with an angry face. And he has uh, demonstrated a, a lack of patience, not only with the people, but journalists who tended to be quite sympathetic to the radical agenda of his party. So as I say, he, he's not really a, a people's man. Uh, clearly is a man serving his party for such a long time that he's a normal bureaucrat. And he has no really proper compassion for the average uh, Australian worker because he has never been a proper worker in his whole life. We'll take some calls in just a few moments. But Augusto, before we do, you're in Western Australia. We're talking about Anthony Albanese and you've got concerns on the way that He's constantly praising Premier Mark McGowan in WA. Some people would say, well, aren't they the same flavour? Why wouldn't they be praising each other? What are your thoughts around the issue? Well, it's uh, it's a problem when he uh, claims, uh, Albanese, uh, that um, McGowan, Mark McGowan, the controversial uh, Premier of Western Australia, is doing a great job in this state. Uh, I feel really... Uh, uncomfortable with this because after all I live in Western Australia and I have uh, paid the price for his uh, authoritarian behavior. Yes indeed uh, I must say that he's doing a great job but rather a job to destroy Western Australia. He's doing a good job to violate fundamental human rights including bodily autonomy, the right to privacy and the right to earn a living by forcing everyone here to take an experimental medicine or risking losing their jobs. So he's doing a great job to lead people to desperation, uh, sometimes even uh, doing silly things, committing suicide. That's what McGowan is doing. And I live in the city, in the CBD area, and I'm seeing the devastation of what he has done. Uh, many of the malls that I used to uh, take delight in, in uh, being a customer, uh, they are now closed for good. And McGowan also, uh, for perhaps uh, to the delight of the Premier, is indeed be- building very good relations with the communist uh, regime in China. McGowan uh, uh, says that um, he is doing a very good work uh, in building such relations. He's a great, great advocate of China interests in Australia and has even attacked the Morrison government when this government simply dared to make some very fair criticisms of China's aggressive foreign policy. And curiously, well, sorry, I have to say something that's yep. quite important now, Neil. In early 2020, when we were at the very beginning of this pandemic, Mark McGowan had the courage to be filmed with the Chinese consul in a restaurant in Perth, together with other members of the Labour Party. This is available on Google. 
and of the uh, vehicles. And he actually says uh, enthusiastically, uh, he shots to the camera and said, go China, go Wuhan, China first. So China first, it's not Australia first. So is that what Obonese also thinks or not? I would like to make this uh, question to him. Well, of course, there is bipartisanship when it comes to defence issues, and China has become a issue in the South Pacific. Uh, interesting, and listeners might have their own perception there of how you think an Albanese-led government might be able to respond to the threat that comes from China. At 1-800-316-316 to join in our talkback conversation, a deconstruction of Albo today. Let's take another call. George is in Kalgoorlie in WA. Hello, George. Welcome. Hello, mate. How are you? Very well, George. What are your thoughts? Uh, my thoughts is, uh, I don't know why people haven't brought this uh, to light. The information regarding the policy that the government's voted on, which was the EN 1856 policy, which is a suppression order of uh, high-ranking officials in, uh, regarding pedophilia. And uh, for my research, I found that uh, most of the uh, major parties voted for these. And um, this is not uh, being broadcasted to the public, which might be able to help their thinking on their coming vote. Um, Okay. Uh, So in understanding that, uh, yes, a petition Mm -hmm. EN 1856, suppression orders protecting Mm pedophiles must be lifted and Mm -hmm. investigated. I'm seeing a a note there online. Mm -hmm. Uh, Are you across this, uh, Augusto? No, but uh, I have to be more... uh, um uh, aware of this thing. I haven't been able to do my own research on the subject. But um, when I was a commissioner, I was quite uh, amazed in my interactions with the political class to realize that they don't have so much uh, interest in the protection of the rule of law, especially when it comes to the preservation of rules of evidence and, and the um, uh, achievement of due process of law. Uh, I was one of the writers for an important document on domestic violence restraining orders, and I have noticed that um, the government of the day was motivated by political ambitions, especially to be uh, able by introducing new legislation to, uh, at the same time, ignoring uh, the rules of evidence, but uh, obtaining um, some sort of political advantage in the process. So the fact that some criminals might not be brought into account by the system and at the same time that innocent people might well be now serving jail is not something that uh, would uh, surprise me coming from my own experience as a law reform commissioner and a professor of law here in Australia. Okay, George in Kalgoorlie, thank you so much for that. And uh, for listeners who are wondering about that, it's petition EN1856 that you could uh, look at uh, on the Parliament of Australia website uh, to explore that a little further. Interestingly, Mm -hmm. uh, people might be wondering uh, because they see the morality uh, of Australians having moved substantially, even under Scott Morrison, insofar as back mm-hmm. to the marriage debate. And so issues around 
pedophilia uh, even become uh, on the agenda the, with the way they've never been before. Uh, the, yeah. the, the capacity, the character uh, of leaders to be able to resist the moves to uh, by some of these groups uh, and uh, others like to group in there, you know, the LGBT mm. agenda and how things are moving mm. there. Where do you think Albo is on those sorts of issues, Augusto? Well, I think he is uh, on the right side of the wrong side of these uh, uh, discussions because the Labour Party has been, uh, as I mentioned in the beginning of this conversation, for such a long time has been completely taken over by interest groups, including, of course, the LGBTQI. So it's not about um, uh, a concern about uh, uh, protecting rights and freedoms uh, that would be uh, given to everyone, regardless of gender, regardless of religion or any sort of uh, divisive considerations. The point with the Labour Party is that it's never like that. It's always about finding a grievance and appealing to these grievance groups. Uh, they thrive in the culture of victimization, and that ultimately leads to the undermining of democracy and inevitably the undermining of the rule of law. Okay. Interesting to have a conversation like this and our earlier conversation on deconstructing SCOMO because you have a conversation like this in the lead up to a federal election and there's something that get, gets cast over every candidate uh, in the election. The thought that there are expectations that Christians have of leaders and people who are servant representatives of the people. Uh, you've got to have these sorts of conversations in order to be able to uh, get your head around what a Christian expectation might be. What sort of thought have you given to Christian expectations of leadership, Augusto? Well, yeah. certainly the first thing he needs to do is to seek the guidance of the Holy Spirit to read the Bible on a daily basis and to understand that these rights and freedoms that uh, we have inherited from our forefathers, they're not, they're not ultimately given by government, but they come directly from God. And what God has given, let no government take away. So the management of the COVID crisis shows me that uh, there is a profound lack of Christian compassion and Christian worldview manifested by uh, the political leaders in this country, including the prime minister and the leader of the opposition, who um, took a very wrong approach on these matters and disregarded uh, wisdom that comes from God, but above all disregarded the constitutional framework of this country, which was violated by these uh, uh, political players but ultimately, these are uh, values and traditions that are derived from a biblical worldview and must be respected by politicians. So it's not good enough to claim to be a Christian and then a politician. You have to have the proper biblical worldview in order to execute things properly and in a right fashion. I would rather have a non-Christian who actually knows more about biblical worldview than a Christian who has not renewed his mind and his heart in order to serve God properly in the political sphere. 
And interesting talking about our leaders and their Christian worldview, uh, the Prime Minister, Scott Morrison, a well-known Pentecostal uh, leader, mm-hmm. uh, wears that very proudly. And uh, you've got Albo, who's been quite loud and proud about his Catholic upbringing and uh, one, of, you know, one of the three pillars of uh, who he is, uh, proud to have been raised a Catholic. So we have got two leaders who are claiming Christianity, but... Uh, in yeah. your opinion here, neither of them ha- have measured up at all. Uh, you're choosing between the best of a bad bunch. Absolutely. And perhaps he is as Christian as um, that president of the lower house in America is. And uh, Joe Biden, and I'm referring to Nancy Pelosi, by the way, mm. and Joe Biden, the American president, because they claim to be Christian, uh, especially uh, from the Catholic um, persuasion, but they advance a woke agenda, and they advance an agenda that promotes <coughs> gender confusion and abortion on demand in, on the United States. So, um, you know, uh, we know the three by the fruits that the three bears, and there are plenty of um, wolf in sheep's clothing. The Lord himself admonishes us in, in the in the book of Matthew, the gospel according to Matthew, that uh, there will be many people claiming to be Christians, but he's going to say, depart from me, I don't know you. Okay, taking calls on 1-800-316-316. Let's take another call. Norman is in Innisfail in North Queensland. Hi, Norman, welcome. Hello, hello. Norman, what are your thoughts? Um, I'd just, like just like to add a little piece to your conversation. It's sort of become obvious that we have become a very self-sufficient community and conceited in a way, morally and spiritually conceited. We um, have our own opinions and often those opinions come at the price of sacrificing loyalty to our leaders. And I I remember reading a book by Father Richard Warmbrand, you might might know him, of course, and his treatment by the communists just put me off them forever. So those sort of distinctions are pretty obvious. it's the humility we need to to actually listen instead of have those um, long-standing opinions. To learn to listen to the Holy Spirit is the, the purpose of life, I believe. Norman, good insights there. A certain yeah. humility to be able to listen. And uh, I wonder if you've got a perspective here on Albo Augusto. Does he have yeah, humility to listen? I, I, I think he doesn't. Uh, he has displayed a lack of um, patience, patience even to hear, to listen to people. And another thing I must say uh, before this conversation is brought to a conclusion, that um, his friendship with Joe Biden, his Catholic mate in America, is actually quite problematic because uh, of the woke agenda advanced by the President of the United States who constantly talks as a so-called Catholic uh, um, believer about um, about uh, divancing uh, the woke agenda when it comes to the support of sex, sexual education in schools that uh, create more gender confusion in the minds of the children. So why uh, um, opposition uh, uh, leader is claiming that he is going to reach out to the Biden administration. Is that to support gender confusion? Is to support abortion on, de- on demand, as Biden 
the Biden administration has pro has proved to support his uh, 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 through the um, uh, in violation, I can say, of the letter and the spirit of the American Constitution regarding the leaking of that uh, Supreme Court justice's opinion about the unconstitutionality of Roe and, and Wade, Roe versus Wade, which basically devolves to the states the right that should belong to the states in accordance with the Constitution to make decisions of such nature. So another thing is Auburn is really willing to take Australians involved in unnecessary wars as Joe Biden is doing at this very moment that inevitably will lead to a considerable loss of innocent lives and including the lives of innocent Australian people serving our defense forces. Is that what he really wants by claiming to want to have a closer relationship with the Biden administration? This is extremely dangerous and potentially detrimental to the lives of Australian people. Norman and Innisfail, thank you so much for your call. Let's squeeze in another quick one. Bridget is in WA. Hi, Bridget. Hi, how are you going? Good. Hi, Bridget. Need yep. to be quick. Hi. Yes, yeah, just a quick one, Dr Zimmerman. I'm just want, interested to know what you think is the answer or the solution for this time we're living in where you've got um, the majority of churches not willing to preach against wokeism and not willing to look into or preach against the new world order that's coming in and it's just it's a confusing time because a lot of the majority of christians don't want to know about it they don't seem educated about it um and yeah. coming out into an election um what do you think is the solution or do we yeah it's, it's a big it's a big topic isn't it <laughs> yeah Augusto. i think the solution is appealing to god and to the work of the holy spirit because there is that prophecy that this is the great southland of the holy spirit and i really believe this is going to be a land of redemption, that will teach the world that we can resist the forces of the of globalism, and that we can, uh, as even a small group, initiate a great movement here of restoration of hope and rights and freedoms. But ultimately, this is only going to be possible by miraculous means. So we need as much as we can to bow down our knees and ask for repentance, because if you really want um, a great revival to take place in this country, we have to acknowledge our sins, including the sins of killing 100,000 human beings via abortion every year in this country. So we need to repent, and perhaps what's happening through COVID is a work of purification, where through or via pain and suffering, we can learn to not commit these mistakes ever again and to ask the Lord's uh, forgiveness for the sins and the crimes we have committed. Bridget in WA, thank you so much for a good contribution there. Learning from mistakes of the past. And uh, we only got a few minutes remaining for our conversation, Augusto. Uh, can a leopard change its spots? Uh, you've got the Prime Minister, Scott Morrison, who's been saying he's been a bulldozer, but he's about to show his softer side, uh, trying to show the electorate that he is changing. You've got Albo, who's been the subject of, uh, you know, having shown his big transition, losing weight and dressing better and new glasses and all sorts of things like that. Undoubtedly, he'd be wanting to let every Australian know that he'll be on their side if they elect him to be the Prime Minister. What are your thoughts about leopards changing their spots and uh, the possibility that there could be change to either of these leaders beyond the election? Well, certainly we have to be reminded of that great um, Catholic political philosopher in England of the 19th century, Lord Acton, 
who um, state that uh, power tends to corrupt, and absolute power corrupts absolutely. So um, we should not expect the people who constantly open the newspapers on a daily basis to see and check their opinion polls to actually change unless there is enough uh, popular pressure, but also uh, checks and balances. And unfortunately, the only viable mechanism for checks and balances, according to a constitutional framework, is the control of the upper house by people who can make uh, proper opposition to measures that are ultimately destructive of this nation. Of course, the liberals have enabled attacks from the opponents of the left by embracing some of these uh, destructive radical agendas, including on climate change and the COVID management or the management of the crisis that uh, have led to incommensurable pain and suffering to the people of this nation. So my um, advice to your listeners is to punish these parties and vote for freedom and vote for a sort of um, a parliament that can properly advocate and defend the best interests of this nation. We have been talking about the thought of voting for people, not parties. Uh, it seems to be sinking in. Many of those swinging voters or those who are yet undecided uh, may well be Christians who have not yet decided where they're going to put their vote. Uh, there is yeah. wonderful resources available for helping Christians to understand who's who in the zoo when it comes to the election. And uh, I've been pointing people, as I did a little earlier, to the Australian Christian Lobby website. There's also uh, resources uh, from the Family Voice Australia and also from the Australian Christian Values checklist, but certainly for getting some resources and understanding where parties stand, where individuals stand, and I'm excited by the fact that there are as many as 150 <coughs> candidates who are standing in the election, whether they're already sitting in the, either of uh, houses of our parliament or candidates, 150 Christians, so it is worthwhile mm. knowing those names and seeing if they're in your electorate. Augusto Zimmerman, yeah. time has run out. Uh, the book that you wrote, Deconstructing SCOMO, Critical Reflections mm -hmm. on Australia's 30th Prime Minister. Your co-author, Dr Rocco Loyacono, a senior lecturer at Curtin University Law School. Uh, listeners can get a hold of that. Lockpress.com is the uh, publisher, lockpress.com, and you can get a hold of that uh, online too, wherever you're listening around Australia. Augusto Zimmerman is pre Professor and Head of Law at Sheridan Institute of Higher Education in Perth. Uh, Augusto, thank you so much for taking some time to share your thoughts with us today on 2020. Thank you so much, Neil. God bless you and God bless your listeners. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.